on cornerofthegalaxy.com. It's time for another episode of Corner of the Galaxy from the Box, the show that gets you behind the scenes of the LA Galaxy and into the minds of soccer reporters and MLS experts. Your hosts for the day are Corner of the Galaxy's Josh Gessman and LA Times soccer reporter Kevin Baxter. Let's start the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Corner of the Galaxy from the box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. I'm your host, Josh Gessman, coming to you on a Monday, June 5th, LA Galaxy. A bye weekend. Did you enjoy it? Did you enjoy the weekend that had no pressure on it? Just get out, smell the roses, take in the fresh air. That's what it was. A little clean slate. The Galaxy got some days off. The boys come back rested. They're on their way to RSL tomorrow. We're going to talk about that game and get you ready. Uh, The Lion himself is retired. We're going to talk a little bit Zlatan Ibrahimovic and, of course, the continued fallout, the continued reaction to Chris Klein and his elimination from the LA Galaxy. We're going to talk and have a whole bunch on that still as well. And to help me do all of it, we're very glad to have him back. It's Kevin the Pen Baxter. Kev, how you doing, buddy? All right. How are you? Uh, you know what? Can, do you remember whenever I spilled soda? Were you there the day that I spilled soda like all over myself from the in and out? Was that was that a you one? Or no, but I, I, I heard the story in great detail. It happened again, Kevin. It, it happened again. And it was different. In and out. No, it wasn't in and out this time. It was another burger place. Uh, I, maybe God is telling me that I should not be going to burger places. I mean, maybe I have to go vegan. I, I don't know. Something is happening. But again, the soda. The, the tops don't fit, Kevin. The tops don't fit on the top. And so you go to grab the side of it, which is what you're supposed to do with the soda, grab the side of it, and you, you put a little bit of pressure on it, and then the top flies off, and then soda everywhere again. I, I, I think right. there's something wrong with me now. Yeah, well, there clearly is something wrong with you. We've known that for a long time, but I would just repeat my, uh, my opinion that you're lucky this is not happening at Starbucks. It's always true. I mean, yes. You should not be drinking alcoholic beverages while you're doing this show. You you know that's not, right? You know, but did you know every time I go and get liquid death at the store, I'm convinced they're going to card me, right? Like I have my kit whenever Grayson uh got some, uh she had it and she put it up on top of the thing and I'm like, "Oh, the lady's going to say something for sure because they look like they're alcoholic beverages. It's just water." Is that the official beverage of Corner of the Galaxy? Should we get a sponsorship deal? No, going? Dr. Pepper is. I'm still, but I'm oh. trying to cut back on my soda intake. Is that Dr. Pepper that spilled in the in at it the was. place? It was. Yes, correct, correct. It was. So, hundred percent. Did you get? Did you once again get a free beverage? <laughs> I did not, and I didn't get one the first time either. I simply drove away and let the soda slowly soak into my pants and into my underwear and onto the seat as I drove back to the office, knowing I would then be cleaning my entire front seat and center console again. I'm just saying, that's that. I had a great weekend. That happened last week, all right? Great weekend, really busy, did a whole bunch of things. Happy about that. Um, but I was just wanted to point out that it happened again, and I don't know why, so. that's. I it. think maybe you should buy canned beverages. 
let's talk about Chris Klein. All right. Now, we've talked about it on Thursday show. You and I did a show with Will Coons, which we talked about on Thursday again because we wanted people to go back and revisit it and listen to Will. Um, and then the very next day, Chris Klein was uh, released, let go, parted ways, however you want to say it, no longer with the LA Galaxy. Um, your thoughts generally on on the timing and everything else? Well, I, you know, it could have happened if the if the Galaxy the Galaxy are one game winning streak now, but they're still in the last place. If they don't make the playoffs, um, you know, I, I I think you could look at the timing at that point because I think Chris Klein held on a little bit too long. Um, it was getting to be a really bad situation, I think, around the Galaxy. And and we've talked to some former players who said that the players felt like there was a lot of weight on their shoulders. Um, I asked Greg about that today, and at training, it was just Damian and I. Damian, the hardest working guy in soccer he in is. Southern California. He, he he did that, then he went to the U.S. national team press conference, and then he went from there. He's at the Angel City game tonight. So so <clears throat> Damian doing triple duty. But I asked Greg about that today, whether he agreed that there, a weight had been lifted. And uh, he told a sort of bizarre story about how uh, the team didn't know uh, that Chris Klein had been fired until they landed in Kansas in uh, Salt Lake right. the day before the game, and he said they found out uh, as the you know after the plane landed, and he said it was a very quiet uh, bus ride to the hotel as players looked at their phones and tried to come to grips with that. He said that, that Chris was a very popular guy um, in the in the dressing room, and that uh, um, one of the things it did, and, and Greg didn't say this. I'm sort of taking a leap of faith from what he said. He said, you know, players started to focus now on the important things. They weren't going to bitch about or complain about, rather, excuse me, they weren't going to complain about whether the length of the grass or whether the grass is green or yellow or pink or that little things like that weren't going to bother them. They were going to focus on the important stuff. Right. And that and that Chris Klein's firing sort of brought that into focus. And, then, and they went out and fought back from deficits a couple of times to win that game three to two. So it did have an effect, which is what we've been saying all along, that, that there, it, there was a lot of pressure. There was a lot of noise. Greg talked about that, about the inability or difficulty in trying to filter that out and focus again on what was going on in the field, that they heard all this stuff about the supporters and the boycott and Chris Klein. Um, and I mean, I think it's obvious that that just built up to the point where it's an untenable situation and something had to be done. Um, you know, I, I don't think any of us that have been reporting about this, I don't think anyone that was involved from Dan Beckerman on down, I don't think anyone disliked Chris. I, I, I agree with Greg. I think Chris was a very personable, likable guy, but he wasn't, the job wasn't getting done, whether it was his inability to do the job correctly, whether he's been hampered by other things. Um, they have the, the galaxy have the, the worst record uh, over the last seven years with Chris Klein as president after Bruce Arena left the worst seven year stretch in franchise history. They fired uh, five coaches and three general managers. Um, Chris and Jovan were the only two people left. And at some point, you know, you when you've done all that and there's still two people left who have been there throughout the whole thing, um, it, it wasn't a, an easy decision, I'm sure, but but something had to change. And, and Chris was the last piece that was still there. It, you know, it's funny. Uh, Space Corps says, are we supposed to care that he was liked? I, I think it means something more to say that uh, despite the results and everything that was sort of going along, I think that he was liked. I mean, I know players that didn't like him. Um, a lot of those players are no longer with the team. Um, so I think if once you become a divorce from the situation a little bit or depending on your exit, I'm sure you weren't exactly thrilled with uh, Chris Klein. You know, I would and I, he's never told me this. I would think A.J. De La Garza was fairly 
upset with Chris Klein and everything, but you know, he came Although back. He, he didn't, he never Chris says Klein that. Back. Yeah, I know. He yeah. never says that. Uh, and he was one of the first things that, that he thanked. And again, I'm all about keeping up relationships and you have to do certain things sometimes in order to, to do stuff. If AJ really wanted to be retire a, a galaxy player, then, you know, that's the direction that you may have had to go, right? Kiss that ring in order to get back. But I've never heard that. I have heard from players and I've talked to now multiple players that they all like Chris. Um, I've said it. I said it on Thursday's show. I like Chris. I respect him as a, as a human being. He was always very nice, very genuine to me. Um, but but so. here's the thing. I think Chris is a guy who he thrived when Bruce was there. And and there's I'm going somewhere with this, believe it or not. He thrived when when Bruce was there because Chris was the nice guy that did what he was asked to do. And Bruce made the decisions. And Bruce was sort of the brains behind the operation. And, and Bruce pulled the strings. And Chris helped him uh, um, bring his vision into reality. Um, Chris wasn't the buck didn't stop with Chris when Bruce left and Chris sort of became the guy I've heard from multiple people in the front office, former coaches, other people, general managers, other things that one of the things Chris couldn't do was he, the, the, again, the buck didn't stop with him. The last person he talked to, that was the one he would uh, agree to with. If a coach came to him and said, we need to go sign this player and we need this amount of money. Chris would say, yeah, that's a great deal. Let's do that. And then someone else would come in the office and say, you know what? We really don't have that money. We don't need a midfielder. We need to get a defender. And Chris would say, that's what we're going to do. And this thing would go on. And Chris just simply could not make a decision. Um, and that was one of the things that hampered the Galaxy. And, and I think if you look, if you go back and you look at some of the, 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 the players that were signed, when you see a team that didn't really seem to fit together, right. I think a lot of that goes back to the inability to make a decision. Um, that doesn't make Chris a bad guy. That makes him a bad president, I guess. But uh, again, he thrived under Bruce when he wasn't the, the buck didn't stop with him when he had to make those decisions and he, and he, he became paralyzed and, and uh, you know, he did have, a, I think he had a lot of trouble, um, uh, pushing back against people above him, which would be Dan Beckerman. When uh, I go back to 2017, when they decided they were going to go young and get rid of $10 million in designated player salary and cut the payroll in half and go young. I mean, I think from the outset, a lot of people realized that was kind of a bad idea. But, um, you know, Chris went along with, with Dan's uh, um, philosophy on that. And again, I think it goes back to the inability to say, uh, to speak uh, truth to power and, and to actually make decisions. So that doesn't make him a bad guy. No. It just makes him a bad president. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't know. It's easy to separate for me. Um, it was funny, by the way. Uh, Chewy says, I like my cousin. He's a great guy, but I wouldn't let him be in charge of my business. Right. I mean, it is in a lot of ways. That's that's what it comes down to. It's about results. It's about, um, you know, positioning the L.A. Galaxy. Um, it, it's interesting because with the Zlatan Ibrahimovic retirement, we're going to talk about that here in a second. Um it again reminds me about where the LA Galaxy had already positioned themselves through the David Beckham era and everything else, right? And the reason that the LA Galaxy are a household name across the globe is one, David Beckham coming, but two, the LA Galaxy winning eventually once David Beckham was there, right? Really sort of solidified that. If the championships don't come, I don't know, I don't think that they that the LA Galaxy are as well known. Um, but being, you know, winning three out of four um, through through that time in 2010, Supporters Shield 2011, Supporters Shield and MLS Cup 2012, MLS Cup 2014, MLS Cup um, rolling through those 
And with some of that in that Beckham era, that sort of set the LA Galaxy up. It set them up to have somebody like Zlatan Ibrahimovic come here and attempt to almost resurrect things. And I think one of the greatest sins the LA Galaxy will ever have to atone for is not putting together a team around Zlatan Ibrahimovic that could win championships, right? That's a That to me seems like a giant strikeout whenever you look at what you had with Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Um, but those are the decisions and the decisions that were made and the people who were put in charge during those times. All those things came home to roost for the LA Galaxy. They may still be the worldwide known name, right? And, you know, I think somebody was saying that they were, uh, Brian Dunseth was saying on the on the broadcast, Kevin, he said, I was over in Spain and I saw no, no fewer than three LA Galaxy shirts in the pickup soccer that he was playing in Spain, right? It was like, one of, they're still there, they're still around, people are still there. But it's more like they were good. Um, and they were good is a Chris Klein result from his time. Well, it's interesting that you say that because I was going to say that then Chris Klein stepped onto that stage that had been illuminated with spotlights by what Bruce Arena and David Beckham did. You know, Chris Klein didn't become president of Real Salt Lake or Sporting Kansas City or even the Chicago Fire. He became president of the LA Galaxy, and there was much higher expectations. And when you succeed, everybody sees it. But when you fail, everybody sees it too because the spotlight is on the Galaxy. Yep. I mean, I, I sometimes have trouble naming all 29 teams in MLS. Some of them are just forgettable. You know, um, that doesn't mean I don't follow the league. I follow it closely. But there are teams that are just somewhat forgettable. Right. The Galaxy is not one of those. And so when you succeed on the biggest stage in, in the league, that success is, is is magnified. When you fail, that that failure is magnified as well. So, um, you know, that's the kind of thing um, that that he stepped into. The, the other thing you mentioned about A.J. Delagarza coming back and, and kissing the ring, I, I remember when I – covered the Florida Marlins and they were by far the worst organization in baseball. I would see coaches that would leave and tell me off the record what a, a terrible experience they had with the team. And now they'd never come back. They'd never work for these people again. A couple of years later, they're back in the organization, maybe with another position as a scout or something. Right. And I said, what happened? Why are you back? And he said, there was only 30 teams. Yep. There's only so many places you can go. Yep. So, you, you know, you do see people that leave and then wind up coming back. And the reason they come back is, there's just not that many places where they can go if they want to be uh, in top flight soccer in the United States. So now you have Klein departing. Uh, he's gone. Does Do you feel like that opens the gate for more movement? Do you feel like there's people who want to come in and help save the LA Galaxy? I know you and I had talked and you had even, I think, reported at one point that, that Bruce Arena, before he went with New England, was interested in coming back and helping to resurrect the LA Galaxy in some form or another, whether that was coach or GM or president or however they wanted to do it. And that didn't seem to happen. Um, do you feel well, like there's more waiting? Well, obviously Bruce is not going to come back, but the Bruce thing is interesting because it does speak to, I think the early time of the pro post Bruce arena, uh, Chris Klein presidency. Again, my, my feeling is Klein was a good sidekick to Bruce but when he had to make the decision himself, um, it, it, it just simply didn't work. One of the things that happened when Bruce left is there was a lot of jealousy in AEG and the Galaxy both. It, it goes up to AEG. There was a lot of uh, jealousy that Bruce Arena was the reason they won. And I think it's pretty obvious now that that's true. But the, the, the reason they made such big changes in 2017 is – and bring Kurt Onofo in. And, uh, and I've heard this from people that were involved in decision-making is they wanted to prove – that they were just as smart as Bruce, 
and that they could win too. And one of the things they had to do is 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 be diametrically opposed from Bruce. They had to make a whole 180 degree turn. They had to go in the opposite direction. So Bruce was high priced veterans. They decided to go with young players. They were going to win in an anti-Bruce way, and it didn't work. Right. And so in the second year, which would be 2018, after Bruce now is fired from the na- or leaves the national team, Bruce has nothing to do. He's bored. He calls the Galaxy. Hey, I'd like to come over. I'd like to work for you guys. I'll do it for free. I'll do whatever you want. I'm bored. I still still think I have something to give. Um, and the Galaxy basically did not return his calls. It was like, no, we don't want you back. And again, it was that, yeah, he could probably help us, but then he's going to get all the credit again. We don't want to do that. And I think part of that set the Galaxy up for failure because they had to make sure that they towed a line that was uh, opposed from what Bruce Arena had done. Bruce showed them the blueprint to win. They just didn't want to follow that because they wanted to prove they could win without Bruce. Guess what? They haven't been able to do that yet. Yeah. I mean, you know, um, yeah, it's one of those it's one of those crazy things that we sort of look at. I, I still wonder, though, if there's people in the wings. I know we've, uh, you know, Aaron in the chat room was already being like, is there any rumors of Todd Donovan coming to the L.A. Galaxy as president? I don't think that 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 doesn't feel like it's going to happen to me. I feel like the LA Galaxy have a have a president in mind that is in a higher echelon above that. That doesn't mean there isn't a place in the front office for Todd Donovan, but probably not as president, at least not yet. But but back to your original question, are there people waiting? I know of some scouts that want to come, but will not come until there's at least one more change made in the front office structure. So that's being held up. Does it free up some decisions? I don't know if it necessarily makes people more interested. There are some people that could possibly help. I don't, you know, Dave Sarakin is a name that jumps to mind, a guy that doesn't have a job right now that, that, that could be useful, um, might be willing to come back now. Uh, maybe not because Dan Beckerman is still around and, and there were some issues with, with Dave's departure, but, but yeah, I do know of some scouts. I do know that there might be some other people that would be willing to come in, but you said, could more changes happen? I think the one thing that this does in my mind, and, and it's just my thinking is it maybe makes the hot seat a little hotter for Greg Vanny. Right. Um, won his first game. I think they're going to give him plenty of time to turn this around. I don't think that it's going to be a quick hook. I think either he's going to get some time and get through these injuries and the fixture crunch and all that kind of stuff. But we know that Vanny was safe as long as Klein was above him because Chris Klein was not going to be allowed to make that decision. Right. Now Chris Klein is out of the way. Right. Um, I don't know who would make that decision because it doesn't. I, it's, it's Dan. Vanny, it, it has to yeah, be Dan, right? To, yeah. It would have to be Dan Beckerman unless, again, they hire this president in time and, and, they, and then he's able to make the decision. So I think it does make things a little more difficult for Greg Vanny. Now he has to produce. Um, but other than that, other than that, I mean, uh, there were a lot of things on hold. I think, I, despite what what Greg said about the quiet bus ride and all that, I do think a weight has been lifted off everyone's shoulders. I do think there was a huge sigh of relief. There were some other things too that happened. There were some um, social media people that were let go on the same day, which the timing was unusual. It wasn't like they were saying, "Oh, Chris Klein and the social media department is the reason we're in last place." No, no. They, they weren't related. The timing was just askew, and it's the new. Brand guy Will, who's came in from the Washington Commanders NFL team, um, one of the things that 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 he is doing. You mentioned the Galaxy always talks about the five championships they won. They're the winningest team. They had David Beckham. All that stuff, as you mentioned, is in the past. David Beckham left in 2012, right? And we're still talking about that. It's 11 years ago. He owns another team now. He's a competitor. Um, they haven't won. A, they haven't even played in the MLS Cup final since 2014. And that, as recently as two seasons ago, I remember it was, you know. We're the five-time champions. We're the the best team in MLS. Well, no, no, you're not. Not right now. You were. Yeah. And I think one of the things you're going to see with Will is it's going to be 
sort of a, a, uh, a back to the future. They're going to try to trade on that on that history, but they're going to look at saying we're going to get back to this. We're we're not five time champion right now. I mean, I think I think the galaxy has to do. It's not necessarily a rebrand, but it's a repositioning. Yeah, a reboot. Uh, you know, just in terms of it's like, hey, you. And I always think you have to honor the history, right? The history is always going to be there, though. It's not like you can even get rid of the history. As much as people love to get scrub things from the pasts of clubs and all sorts of different things, the history is always there. Um, so it's not something, but it's not something that has to be forefront every time, and especially for an LA Galaxy team that struggled uh, for so long. Let me get this to su- some super chats. Uh, Philip gave us a $2 super chat and he agrees with me. He says it happened to him and the other day at in and out too. in and out. What are you doing with your flimsy tops? That's what I want to know. Uh, and then, and they had French fries. yeah. And then LD, uh, gave us a $5 super chat and said, Landon Donovan was also the reason the galaxy was so successful. He was part of four of the five championships. The galaxy won. Absolutely. Um, but if you look at what Bruce arena has done pretty much anywhere he's gone, he wins games. Uh, and he was able to bring an LA galaxy team that had Landon Donovan on it, that had David Beckham on it, um, and actually get it to play well. Uh, and if you were any part of that 2009 season, uh, you'll remember, uh, that he was able to sort of write that ship and fix relationships and get the best out of players, get the best out of LD, get the best out of, uh, out of, uh, David Beckham, eventually bring in Robbie Keane, um, as that, that piece there as well. And then you talk about the heydays. There's a big Tim Laiwiki as uh, president of AEG at that time was very involved with the LA galaxy, wanted them to win. Laiwiki eventually went on to TFC. Um, and, and other put, wasn't he a consultant in Miami for a little bit as well? Didn't that happen or was it a different one? I can't remember. He launched the the very successful now hockey team in Seattle, the Kraken. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, yeah. He, he's, Somebody was, that was there during both the Laiwiki and the early, the, uh, the Laiwiki golden years and, and the beginning of the Beckerman era said that th- there's a difference, that Laiwiki was a good administrator, but he was a winner. And he, uh, what he really wanted to do was win. And the bottom line was it wasn't forgotten, but if he had to go in the red a little bit to win, there was no question he was going to do that. He wanted to win. It's as I said in the Beckham years, it's more sort of an it feels like an accountant's office. Like, you know, our business is sports and it should be great to win, but at the end of the day, we want to make money. And and this person told me that there, you know, there was a that noticeable difference that like Wiki would sacrifice everything to win. There, there doesn't seem to be that will to win right now. And and so that would be for the Kings and the and uh the galaxy yeah king's in a little better situation i think than the galaxy or or at least a, a little bit we'll see we'll see how it all goes um by the way have you ever talked to tyler boyd uh, at, totally apropos of nothing i mean i have i have only talked to tyler boyd in terms of uh, after games and stuff like that i got to talk to him after the win in uh at real salt like i had mentioned and i think i'm still correct Galaxy fans are going to love Tyler Boyd. I, whenever we had talked to him and you talk, the guy wants to be here. He loves being an LA Galaxy player. If he starts scoring goals and he starts doing the stuff that we, I think, expect him to do, and I think it maybe just touched the tip of it in that last game against RSL of what he's capable of doing, that he's going to be a fan favorite. You got to talk to him today, though, right? Yeah, I was going to say, we got to have him on the pod because the thing with you, as you said, fans get to know him. The thing with Tyler Boyd that I found in this conversation is it's not, you can't look at his quotes on a quote sheet or you can't ask him one or two questions. You kind of have to talk to him for a few minutes. And then you kind of, at the beginning, it's like, this guy's okay. And I really like it. You know, I really, really, really like him. As you talk to him, he told me a good story. He's got this, uh, I I don't know if you noticed, but the New Zealand accent gets heavier and heavier as the conversation goes on. Uh And after a while, it does become very noticeable. And I asked him, I said, you were born in 
Southern California, I know your dad's from New Zealand. Did you have that accent, you know, because you were around your dad growing up? And he goes, no, I didn't have it until I went to New Zealand. Right. And then I went to New Zealand and he said, I, when I came back to California and went to visit some of my old school chums, they all thought I was faking. And they go, yeah, yeah, Tyler, we know you lived in New Zealand. You don't have to do the accent. And he goes, no, that I have the accent now. You know, it's we, hilarious. We, we always, uh, it, it was, it's, it's one of those, uh, one of those funny things, but you know, remember when Brad Friedel was playing over in England and he got like a, he got like an English accent, like almost like a Scouser accent, like that type of thing. And everybody was making fun of him. That's me. Anytime I spend more than like six hours in London or anywhere else, I start talking. I'm, I'm a total mimic. I go in, if you put me in any foreign land, I will suddenly gain this accent that, <laughs> tries because and i've heard the psychology behind it for people is that you try to fit in it's about fitting in right it's about being um relatable to your peers when you're there and so you don't want to have this like accent that makes you not relatable and if you think about brad friedel and what he had to do um at that time as uh, one of the few americans playing in you know in england and all these other things it makes sense that you would sort of be like i don't want you to think of me as american especially whenever there sort of seems to be like an anti-american bias in in soccer right i don't want you to think of it so I, when i speak i'm going to speak like you so that way you don't think that i'm that guy um so it totally makes sense to me if you would if i ever to was living in another country i would come back and i would have an accent you guys would all make fun of me guaranteed well, so maybe Tyler's going to lose his American, his uh, New Zealand accent, and start speaking with an American accent. Is that what you're suggesting? Yeah, to fit in. I think, I think that's, I think that's what Sophie should start doing. That's, that's, that's what I, she, she has an American accent. We all. By know the way, that. Sophie, she's probably listening to the show. She was at the U.S. Men's National Team media availability to, uh, again today, and she got the last question. And as we've said on the show many times, Sophie begins a question, and your first thought is, "Oh my God, where is where, she going with this? Yep. Put it down, like, like." like and of course, it was a question for Christian Pulisic, and she got the absolute best answer of the day. It was such a great answer that the moderator said, and we're going to leave it there because there can't be another an- better answer than that. And once again, Sophie wins Sophie the press conference. Wins the pre- every time. She's she's the press conference queen for sure. Uh, Sophie will be my host on Thursday night. So Hostess. Yes. Hostess. Host. Host is, host is both. Host is okay. both. Yes. Host, like actor now. Hostess. Actress is hostess is a Twinkie. I'm pretty sure, or or one of those. Yeah, that's what I'm pretty sure it is. All right. Um, so anyway, so so there's that. So talk about Chris Klein and Tyler Boyd. Seems great. That's fun. Um, by the way, Philip gave us a two dollar super chat and says your English better than Harry Kane's English. So see, we're we're already winning. That's good. Glad to see that. Let's talk about the lion, uh, Mr. Zlatan Ibrahimovic, Kevin. Really weird sort of day to know that Zlatan is retiring. I always expected it. Um, I, uh, but I also expected that he would never retire and that like somebody would have to run him over with a bus in the middle of a, a game in order to get him to stop. Um, you know, you know, you know why I'm crushed? Why? Because AC Milan is coming here in July and they're going to play at Dignity Health Sports Park. And we could have talked I, to Zlatan again. I talked to the AC Milan PR guy, the communications guy, and he called me, I guess last week and said, look, we're coming over. Look at our roster. Tell me who you want to interview for a story. You know, and I said it's got to be Zlatan. He's coming back to Dignity Health Sports Park. And I said, is he going to resign? And he goes, Yeah, we have every expectations that he will be on this trip. Now that was last week. Obviously, things have changed. But the AC Milan was already thinking about the idea of Zlatan coming back to Southern California and what it would mean. And you have some news that the door on that might not be totally closed. Well, it mean, just you might not be an AC Milan uniform. It, it was just I, I had heard a rumor that the LA Galaxy did offer Zlatan some sort of compensation package to come back and play for the LA Galaxy. Don't know if that's true. Didn't get a chance to chase it down, but it wouldn't surprise me um, knowing that 
uh, it would be short term, right? You're talking about a move that's short term that could definitely boost the LA Galaxy in terms of offense. Could probably be done on a TAM deal, which sounds crazy, but it would be he'd already done it before, right? And so it was one of those things that, okay, maybe he would come back for TAM. In the end, I think it doesn't work because I still don't think you have the team around Zlatan to make Zlatan happy. Um, that being said, I think the defense is much improved from when Zlatan was here and that the LA Galaxy midfield is improved. And I think that he would enjoy those things. I think he would enjoy Ricky Puj and Gaston Brugman. Um, and I think he would enjoy guys like Jovalich and, and maybe Chicha. I don't know. But it, it would be interesting to sort of see how they would how all would have came together. But there was a rumor um, the LA Galaxy did go after Zlatan before he retired and then he retired. Um, so, well, it, but it's Zlatan. He can always unretire. He does a lot of weird things. But it, it would definitely, I mean, the, the Galaxy, even though they're on this one game winning streak and they have some exciting players, even though they're awful right now, it's still fun to see some of these guys play. Zlatan would bring back that energy and that uh, excitement around the team, even if it didn't necessarily make them a contender. Although I think having Zlatan there would be hard not to be a contender. But you said something about. Um, you know, uh, offering him uh, some sort of a compensation package because you didn't say a contract or a lot of money. Yeah, I was talking to a very high-ranking MLS official yesterday at the CONCACAF Champions League game, and it's unclear to me still whether we were on the record or off the record, so I won't use the person's name. But we were discussing the possibility of a messy deal right. and how much that would cost. And I brought up the idea of like when David Beckham came – the league got involved. It wasn't just the Galaxy. The league got involved and, uh, and offered this thing. And the person said, look, we're not going to do that again. When we offered it to David Beckham, it was about $10 million. The last expansion fee for San Diego is $500 million. We're not giving a guy half a billion dollars. Right. But he said, we do have some partners. We do have Adidas. And we do have now, Apple. especially Apple with their, their broadcast streaming broadcast being available all over the world, that those people – it behooves them if we know right now that the Apple, the the deal is not drawing the eyeballs that they had envisioned it drawing, and we know that because how, how do you say that? Because they just came we, out well, and said said that it is far exceeding their expectations. That's Apple, and and the numbers they offered as evidence were what? Yeah, well, the, also you you, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. Tell me the numbers yeah. that you saw that tell you it's far that it's that it's underperforming. Because tell me why anyone would say. We have amazing numbers, but I can't tell you what they are. Nobody says that. They have amazing numbers, and here's what they are. They, and this is if, streaming. And, and they, this is streaming. This is streaming, Kevin. This is not traditional much, media. Netflix no, doesn't release numbers. They don't tell people things. You just know that shows are hits and not hits. I'm just, well, I'm if, just telling you, don't get stuck in the trap. Because, but if there, if there were good numbers, I think they, a, I think they would tell us, and b, and MLS would tell us because. MLS is getting hammered. There were 60 million people in the U.S. that watched the Liga MX playoffs. Mm -hmm. And MLS is having to sit back and say, we don't know how many. We can't tell you how many people are watching our broadcast. And they've offered now two months in a row, they've offered people uh, uh, you know, free packages to watch MLS. So if they were doing gangbusters, I don't know if they'd be doing that. But the point being, if they could go out and get a Messi or a Zlatan and say to people in Europe, you want to watch Messi on TV every week, here you go, and you can record this and watch it at your pleasure. You don't have to get up at 4 in the morning and watch a, an MLS game anymore. You can watch this anytime you want. Um, you know, I, I think you could get a Messi or, or a Zolotan maybe, um, and it's not all money that's going to have to come from the Galaxy or even from the league. It could come from Apple and Adidas. Yeah, um, it could. So I think that's something to watch. I think the financial model with Apple has changed because now it's not trying to get FS1 
in in Berlin. It's now you can get it on your on your phone through Apple. Yeah, I, I would just like to point out that free months a lot of times equal more adoption rates. So whenever you give out a free month, somebody tries it and then they go ahead and buy it or they forget. You know how that's how they get like lots of people is you sign up for the free month with your credit card and after 30 days it automatically renews. They get people that way. So that's also a reason to have adoption things. I don't I agree with you that I would love for them to release numbers so that way we could put this all to bed. But if I remember there was one tweet on the internet from a trust me dude source that said Apple was failing. Um, and then there was an official story from actually Apple with uh, with the Philadelphia Inquirer, Jonathan Tannenwald, actually talking to Apple. And by the way, there's nobody in the world you want writing that story other than Jonathan Tannenwald because he is the ratings and TV king on that stuff. So he got that. And so you have trust me, bro source on the Internet or you have official article. I'm not saying you can trust either one of them, but don't necessarily assume that it's crap and nothing else is happening. I'm assuming that <laughs> I know you are. I'm just, I just, and again, you know, it's, it's one of those things. I agree. They should release numbers, right? They should do a whole bunch of stuff like that, but you're right. Hey, Zlatan, you want your own TV show? You know, that type of thing. Hey, we can, we could give you your own, you want your own TV talk show. We get to talk about soccer all the time. We'll, we'll give you your own TV show and you come back and play for the LA galaxy. And there you go. You know, it's the whole deal. So yeah, I would imagine that there would be all sorts of packages and everything yeah, else. The financial that model has changed oh, and Apple has changed the possibilities of the finance haven't changed yet, but if they land a Messi, a Ronaldo, a Zlatan, I mean, if they had had it last year with, uh, with Gareth Bale, I think that might've pushed the, the numbers a little bit as well. So now we're in to this. I, you have to look back on Zlatan, right? And I know everybody's going to go rosy on all this. And listen, I've already said it, and I said it on Twitter today, Kevin. Uh, most dominant player in MLS history doesn't even come close. I've been told that by people who played against him, played with him. Uh, I've been told that by coaches, by former players, by everything, that there was never going to be anyone as dominant as Zlatan Ibrahimovic was. I think 55 total games and 53 goals or something like that. It's it's right up there. I forgot. I tried to clip the uh, the actual stat today. Ridiculous amount. And and I've said this before, and we said it on the podcast so many times. I know people who've been listening for a while are going to be like, yeah, I remember you saying that, Josh. It was never out of the realm of possibility for Zlatan to do anything. Um, did, like, hey, hey, Kevin, if I told you Zlatan was going to score four goals in this game, would you believe me? Yeah, no problem. What if I told you he was going to score five goals in this game? Yeah, I can believe that. What if I told you he's going to score six goals? Yeah, that's still something he could do. What about where does the number get ridiculous? And for Zlatan, it was so much higher than anybody else ever. Like if I said, hey, Zlatan scored eight goals in a game, you'd sit there and be like, yeah, that sounds he, I, I could see him doing that. Right. You know what it reminded me of? We've all had that experience. There's always a kid on your little league team that that like has whiskers and, and a beard. And, right. And you think he has kids and he's just so much better than everybody else at 10, 11 or 12. Um, by the time he gets to high school, it's kind of leveled off. But there, there's just these kids that are way better. That was a lot of time. He was the the twelve. He was the 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 kid with the beard playing little league. He did that in almost everywhere he went, though. It wasn't just MLS, and I know a lot of people love to knock the 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 level of major league soccer. Zlatan was. Uh, he made the impossible possible. He made the difficult easy. And I'll say this as well. He made the easy difficult as well. It, there was nothing was ever simple with Zlatan either. And I think looking at it from my my two biggest things were one most dominant player ever. Um, and and two, there's never going to be another Zlatan Ibrahimovic. And I don't think not in the way that Zlatan was. He's one of a kind. He's that guy. But 
He's a complex personality as well. We can talk about all the amazing things. Let's talk his his debut in the El Trafico and just the... I mean, I've never heard a stadium make... I've been in that stadium for 15 years, and I've never heard that stadium make those noises it made um, on that night. And he, he inspired Zava as well. Yeah, and he inspired... I mean, he inspires other fictional characters um, in places. Um, so, you know, he was responsible for the greatest MLS game in in the history of the league right now. Um, and I don't know that it'll ever be topped, quite honestly. It was just a moment in time that will not be reproduced, cannot be uh, sort of cobbled together from anything else that it was. There was all this anticipation. Zlatan had landed the night before. The dude shows up and he comes and he scores two goals. Uh, the one to tie it is obviously the one everyone remembers. I think the one to win it is an even better indication of just what Zlatan was going to be. Um And that changed MLS, I think, forever, Um, just in the way that it was broadcast to so many people. David Beckham obviously changed MLS. Uh, Zlatan Ibrahimovic in that one single game put that rivalry on the map now and forever. Um, Well, you know, my my Zlatan memory was a game, I think it was Sporting Kansas City. It was at... Oh, man, it was like, Kevin, you were so close, and then you just disappeared. I thought we had it, and then then nothing. (laughs) Wonderful, wonderful. All right. Uh, let me get to some super chats while we hopefully get Kevin back here in a second. All right. Um, let's see. Uh, let me cruise through that and we'll reset Kevin here for a second. Uh, Raphael came in with a $10 super chat uh, and he goes, I was one of 100,000 people at Zlatan's first game. Yeah, everybody's going to say that they were there. Uh, I have pictures to prove it. Uh, greatest live soccer experience. Z was the most dominant MLS player. No question. He was a celebrity, but also a genuine, also genuine and kind to fans. Can't believe he was a galaxy player. A little uh, $2 super chat from Eric. Appreciate that, Eric, very much. Um, let's see. I thought we had another one. We do. Um, Eric put in a $5 super chat after that. And, and, and basically he was saying uh, he doesn't like the whole Apple deal. He says he can't watch his team, which is funny because um, a lot of games are free. So you could absolutely watch your team. I think you could have watched the last uh, last game uh, on there. So, yeah, I, I don't buy it. Um, you get a chance to watch them. And if you don't want to pay for it, then don't pay for it. Um, so anyway, so we'll, uh, we'll take a look at that. I was going to say that there is a complex sort of, uh, of, of it's the dark side of Zlatan, right? You, and, and I think if you brush over that, if you don't pay attention to what, um, what effect he had on his teammates and other such things, then y- you do him a, a disservice, or, or at least I think you do the, the memory of Zlatan a disservice, um, and that really is that, you know, Zlatan was a lot of things. He was, um, you know, a guy who absolutely 100% hated to lose more than he hated to win. Um, he And he was a guy who was a bully, an absolute bully, whether that was a bully on the field and he would do it to other players or whether that was a bully to his own teammates, because I could tell you many stories about it. And it wasn't just that he was a bully to his own teammates. It was mean spirited in the way that he would take some of the players who definitely had lesser talent than him. Um, and, and he'd try to break them. Um, and that's something that I think people love to forget. And then they love to brush it off as MLS players being soft and stuff like that. But um, there's a point where, motivating people with the tough love goes too far. And he crossed that line all the time. Um, and so for me, you have to take the good and the bad. I am a hundred percent. I love Zlatan, love covering him. I can't believe my dad came into my office today and was like, 
was like, I heard Zlatan's retiring. And I go, yeah, I can't believe I got to watch that guy. I can't believe I got to talk to that guy. That's one of those memories that I'm going to have for the rest of my life. I have pictures to prove that I was there. Um, and the things that I saw are things like his 500th goal, one of the most technical goals you'll ever see scored. Uh, he scored another goal in an LAFC game where he volleyed between two LAFC defenders and scored a goal like on a full volley um, doing that spinning basically all the way around and scoring goal. One of the most technical goals you'll ever see scored. Um, he did things that were amazing, but he has the dark side that also makes him interesting to me um, because with the fans, he was great. I think with like kids, he was the best, but with his teammates, he has faults. Um, and, and that's one of his faults. It was a Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde thing. I mean, I, I understand that on the field, he was really bad. And sometimes in, in the clubhouse, he was or dressing room. He was really bad. And if you read his autobiography, you'll understand a little bit about that because he grew up in horrific circumstances. Um, you know, both his parents were refugees from the war. They're, they're, you know, they were divorced. Um, he grew up really poor. He grew up in a in an immigrant neighborhood where uh, he was not in the dominant uh, class and and was ridiculed and harassed. And and um, he, you know, he has very prominent nose. He was kidded about that all his life as a little kid. Right. Um, and soccer became the way that he could, th that he could be the big man on campus that he could fit in, I guess. And then when he was able to, to fit in by playing soccer, then that became his revenge. I'm just not going to beat you. I'm going to humiliate you for all the things that you society in general have done to me and my family. Yep. And that's where I think a lot of that came from. Um, and it was hard for him to turn it off, even when he became a multimillionaire. It's like that's what got him to that spot. So I'm not excusing it. I'm just saying that that's what it was. And I don't know how far I got before I lost, I guess, my Internet connection. I don't know what happened. Right. But, but it was a game against SKC that I think I, I think it was SKC that yep. I remember. It might have been Real Salt Lake. But it was a game where Zolotan refused to let the Galaxy lose. The, uh, the opponent scored first. And he scored minutes later. They scored again. Now the Galaxy are down again. He scores. He scored a hat trick. Each time a racing a one goal deficit, the Galaxy wound up in a draw. I don't know that anyone else on the Galaxy team actually touched the ball in that whole game. It was just Salatan against the 11 from the other team. Right. It was the most amazing performance I've ever seen. And it was a forgettable game. And I think that's what made it so memorable because anyone, well, not anyone, but when people step up on the big stage, you remember when they step up on a game in mid August uh, against, you know, Sporting Kansas City. Um, like that, that's really memorable. Again, uh, totally. There's guys who love to win and there's guys to hate to lose. He's a hate to lose guy. Like he winning is not his goal. He just wants to make sure he doesn't lose. That's that's the most important thing. And that doesn't mean going for draws or anything else. It means he despises losing so much. It's his sole motivation for doing this stuff. Right. Um, it, it, it was interesting. Uh, I was watching somebody talk about the NBA um, and they were talking about players is like, how much does a player get paid? You know, that check comes in the mail every two weeks. So he's getting five hundred thousand dollars every two weeks. He goes. And so what makes him go out in the middle of the season and play a game, you know, this tough against these opponents? He's like, eventually you become disconnected from the money. And Zlatan to me is disconnected from the money. He loves it. He loves to get it. He loves to cash the checks. But it's not like he did it for the money. He did it because he hates to lose. He's that competitive nature, that type of thing. And again, I understand I have been covering this team since Robbie, Robbie Keane was demanded the best out of his teammates, right? And he would yell and scream at them and do all sorts of stuff. But there was a motivational side to Robbie Keane. Um, less so, I think, with Zlatan Ibrahimovic and certainly with people I talk. People want to whitewash Zlatan all the time. I'm telling you, you don't need to. The man is a legend. 
He's going to go down. He's still a wonderful man. I've seen him talk to kids and make the whole galaxy bus wait for 20 minutes uh, to go and talk to one kid to make sure this kid felt special. He asked the kid, can I take a picture with you? Would it be okay if I took a picture with you? And the kid was like, yeah, of course. That's Zlatan Ibrahimovic, the guy who has the biggest ego in the world. He goes down and he makes the galaxy bus wait for 15 minutes. So that kid got special attention. But, you know, I, I think it goes back again to that Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde thing. I've heard teammates say that that he just berates them on the field. And, and my my comeback to that was always, look, if if these guys in the Galaxy were good enough to be in the Premier League or good enough to play with Zlatan at Barcelona, right. they would be there. Yeah. They're not. That's why they're in MLS. It's not a, a dig at them, but that's their level. That's where they are. Um, Zlatan never sort, sort of really – uh, grasp that that they that people couldn't do the things that he did that he found so easy. But it, it was a thing where where players would tell me he just ripped them on the field, and then after the game he was their best friend, and it was like he had forgotten that. And you know what? I think in a lot of ways he did on the field he was a different person. When he you remember the time when he choked uh, he choked Sean Johnson. I don't think he remembers doing that. I don't think he knew cognitively that he was doing that. I think when he's on the field, he is another person. And when the adrenaline comes down, when he's shown tapes of some of the things he does on the field, good and bad, right. I, I think he's like us. He can't believe it. Uh, Nigel Nigel DeLong, Nigel DeYoung was one of those guys. I, I told you, I've said this many times before. Nicest guy in the world would let him watch my kid. Like not even a Nigel DeYoung wants to watch my kid. No problem. Amazing man. Super smart and talented soccer mind. Um, love the Pittsburgh Steelers. I remember talking to him um, at length about all these things and you go in there and it's, but you see what he does on the field and it's like a different guy, right? It's that competitive nature. It gets into those things. But anyway, um, I think we're all amazingly lucky. Um, and I will say anybody who played with him will say the same thing and they'll get to talk about it and do all these things. But it's one of those things I'll take to my grave that I got to watch and I got to cover and I got to talk to Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Um, one of a kind, uh, most dominant MLS player for sure. One of the most dominant players in, in football history. Uh, the, his, his body build, his agility, his ability to do things that, uh, that would defy logic and reason and everything else. Um, that's what you would get every time you got Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Uh, it was never boring, Kevin. Uh, and I thought that we had a really good relationship with him uh, in the in the press. Uh, Larry Morgan gave him a cane and bifocals over the two years that he was there. Larry texted me today and was like, you think Zlatan's going to use the bifocals now that he's retired? And I'm like, I don't know. I think he's still got the cane. And either that or he has a special little, little uh, Larry Morgan doll that he sticks pins into every night. Uh, he's like, oh, you make fun of me because I'm old. So now, uh, now Zlatan's got like a Larry voodoo doll, I'm sure. Well, you know, one of the best things about Zlatan retiring and and we're not really sure if this is going to stick, right? We don't know. He could pop up anywhere tomorrow. But um, one of the best things about him retiring is social media has been filled with uh, some of the highlights of his career. And I don't know if you saw my favorite, even more than the goal that he scored against LAFC, was one that he scored very early in his career when he was playing for Ajax. Uh, they, that was uh, replaying on social media today. Oh, my God. That was one of the most amazing goals Again, ever seen. he could do it all. Uh, Gabriel uh, says, if you replace Chicha with Zlatan with this current team, where would the LA Galaxy be on the table? I have a good I have a good thought because I'll tell you right now that Zlatan's good for 25 to 30 goals in any given season right now. If he came to the LA Galaxy, that's how many goals I would think that he would be good for, which is crazy. But I think he's in that still in that range. 20, let's say between 20 and 30. 
Um, I'll tell you right now, the LA Galaxy wouldn't be in last place because it is my contention that the LA Galaxy's offense has been crap for most of this year and had their offense been just a little bit better. And look what happens against Real Salt Lake when they score three goals. They win a game. Um, that it takes pressure off the defense and that they're actually able to win some games. They have not been scoring goals. So if you put one of the most prolific goal scorers in the history of football uh, into this team, I'll tell you they're not in last place. They're probably they're probably somewhere near the top, quite honestly, which is crazy to think. I think it was Ziggy that said everyone focuses on, or maybe it was Bob Bradley. Everyone focuses on on Zlatan as a goal scorer, but he does a lot of things well. That he is a, um, a you know a, a great passer and a really good ball handler. And that, and that IX goal we were just talking mm-hmm. about when he was a teenager really showed his dribbling ability. And the thing that's amazing about that is he was, what, 6'5"? Usually good dribblers are smaller players, like a Landon Donovan or a Ricky Pooge, who are closer to the ball. When you're 6'5", it's much more difficult to do that. But at least early in his career, he was an amazing ball handler. Yeah. I mean, and he, you know, uh, rightfully so, he dragged the LA Galaxy into the playoffs. Should have made it in 2018 under Dom Kinnear as the as the uh, as the interim, and then under GBS in 29 uh, in 2019, they did make the playoffs, right? Um, and so uh, that was that was the last year uh, after that for for GBS was 2020. So the Galaxy made the playoffs once, beat Minnesota in that, and then fell to LAFC. If you'll remember that in 2019. Um, no, he never played for GBS. He played 2018 for Ziggy. Yeah, and then 2019 for GBS. GBS got fired in 2020. Yeah, he did. And it's okay. I got you. It's, I, I remember these things. Um, but yeah, some some really just uh, amazing times. If you were there, um, you all witnessed something that I'm not sure you'll ever see again. Uh, and that says something. Whenever you can, if you were there at the 4-3 game, uh, the Miracle on March 31st, the, the El Trafico, the first one, if you were there, you witnessed one of the greatest sporting events in the history of the world. Um, and it, listen, I'm not saying it's the first one, but it's one of the greatest ones ever in the history of the world that you were there, that you were there to see, and you were there to witness. Um, and it put MLS on on the map uh, uh, again, more than maybe it should be at some point. But Zlatan was real. He was with the LA Galaxy. Still crazy to think. I remember when we did a whole tracking Zlatan, like airplane flight coming down yeah. into uh, into LA whenever he was on his private jet. It was a Thursday night. We had a live podcast. Probably one of my yeah, favorite episodes. He, he flew with his dog. I remember that. And by the way, Zlatan said he was going to play till he's 50. Yeah. So he's, he's still so, going that's I'm not. I'm not. I'm not sold on this retirement thing. You think, I think he's going to pop up? You think he's going to pop up? Okay. Very good. Um, let's see. I wanted to get to uh, just a little bit more. We're, we obviously want to get you ready for this game. Uh, LA Galaxy at Real Salt Lake. The the second version of this. So the first one was an MLS. LA Galaxy win 3-2. Uh, the second version of this is now in the U.S. Open Cup. The LA Galaxy and Real Salt Lake and all the teams remaining in Open Cup just three wins away from hoisting a trophy. Uh, it, it was uh, Kevin. I think you talked to Greg a little bit about this, or, or maybe it was Damian who was yeah. who was talking about. He was yeah. We both did, and, and one of the things he said is is Costa's back in training, Mavinga's back in training, Javier uh, Chicharito Hernandez, he'll be back because yep. the suspension is over. Cuevas, one of the Cuevas is back too. I just want to point out, Cuevas, Cuevas had an ankle had injury and he's back full right, training, and he's, he's back, back in training apparently. But one of the things I asked Greg is, uh, you just played them in an MLS game, and then you, uh, there, and then you come back here and have a, a couple of days of recovery, then you go back there to play the same team, and now it's a U.S. Open Cup game. How does that change? And he said that it's it's the same thing every game and what we're tra- and what he said what we're trying to do is focus on every game as it comes and not think this is the second time we played these guys or this is a different competition but that just focus on that game and what they need to do in that game and I asked him if he thought that 
there might be a different strategy from RSL or a different strategy from him since they've just seen each other. Uh, he didn't seem to think so. And, and he, he he did say the U.S. Open Cup is beginning to become a little bit more important because the Galaxy are getting closer and closer. At the beginning, you try not to get too hyped up about it. You have to win seven games. But there are a couple of games, a couple of wins away from being in the final now. And it's starting to have a little bit more meaning for them. It's starting to feel a little bit more real. Um, but that this game is going to be different from the last one because, for well, for one thing, uh, their leading scorer is going to be back uh, you know, Chicharito will be able to play. Uh, he did say, and he did say, he did say the altitude. Well, leading last season, yeah, yeah, the last two yeah. seasons. But he did say that the altitude uh, is will be less of a factor in this game. He said there were a lot of players that hadn't played at altitude before, and that there is a a period you go through at you, you begin to play, and then uh, as the first time you feel the lack of oxygen, it feels like you're being strangled, and you get through that, right? And then you can push on. And he said now. Players panicked that first time, not quite understanding what's going on. Now that they've been through it a week ago, when it hits them again this time, they're going to know, hey, I'm going to come out the other end. Everything's going to be fine. Just give me, let me get through the next couple of minutes. He said he thinks that that's going to make a big difference. Yeah. Um, it, it, this is, again, people are asking, oh, maybe they'll just stay in, in Salt Lake. And no, they will absolutely will not. They'll come back down. They'll train. They'll do all their stuff. They'll get reacquainted to sea level. And then they'll go up there. Uh, they're planning on traveling after an AM training tomorrow. So Tuesday morning, they'll train. And then in the afternoon, they'll hop on a plane, fly to Sandy, Utah. Actually, they'll fly to Salt Lake and then drive down to Sandy, Utah um, and, and be there for that. And the idea there is to get there as late as possible because that way your body doesn't understand that you are at altitude. Um, and you can fake it for like the first 24 hours or so that you're 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 there and that you're out at altitude and your body doesn't realize it. Um, if you ever go to the mountains, it's actually pretty incredible how your body has to adjust and do things through that. But once you get into the second day is usually whenever you really start to feel stuff. So they're going to go Tuesday afternoon, evening, and then they play the next day. So it gets them sort of tricks their body through that. So they're going there. RSL. Um, is more accustomed to the altitude, obviously. They live there, so they go back and forth and do a whole bunch of other things. They were just in Austin, however. They beat Austin 2-1 to one in Austin. Uh, it was a game where maybe they had no in, no no real reason to beat uh, Austin. I think the XG in that game ended up being like uh, RSL was 0.8 or 0.9, and Austin was over 2. Um, and so it, Austin should have scored goals. They didn't, but that's been the story of Austin this year. Austin's struggling very much like the LA Galaxy uh, in terms of offense and defense not uh, not being able to hold on to leads and everything else that sort of goes in there. But basically, it was 2 nothing into stoppage time. Now, RSL looks like they didn't rotate um, for that game. So it'll be interesting to see how they rotate or what they do for a Wednesday night in a game. Now, Greg tells us all the time, Kevin, that the... Um, that when you get three days, it's sort of the normal recovery, right? So they played on Saturday, so they have Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, and then now they're ready again. So it's very likely you could see uh, a team that is very similar to the ones that they played on that Saturday against Austin. Um, and we could even compare a little bit of rosters whenever we look at, you know, Masovsky in there and Krylock and Ruiz and Savarino and Oeda and Gomez, which is sort of the, the last lineup. And then we can come in here and say, all right, so Rubin and Julio and Oeda and, you know, no Masovsky in this, right? So there's, they, they pulled back a couple players here and there. Um, and so they're going to be able to, to, to come in and they're going to mix and match. And I would imagine that they're going to be in for a tough game. I don't think, and we've joked around about this. This will be the first time the galaxy get to play against MLS competition 
in the U.S. Open Cup because up until now, Seattle and LAFC both playing their younger players, uh, their MLS Next Pro guys, that type of thing. So um, this is the first real test of the Open Cup for the LA Galaxy. They get it on the road. Um, which is not the easiest way to always win games, but especially at altitude and everything else. And I would have to imagine there's an element of revenge coming from Real Salt Lake in this, knowing that they had the lead at 2-1, and they ended up giving it away 3-2, and the Galaxy haven't done that to a lot of teams uh, this year. Yeah, and this is where, again, this tournament, we've seen other teams, Seattle came in and played a, uh, you know, an MLX Next, Next Pro uh, reserve lineup against the Galaxy. LAFC did that in its two games. But we're getting to the point now where you're close enough to see the finish line. And yes, there's a fixture crunch coming, but you're this close to, to lifting some hardware. And it, it may be the least important uh, of all the trophies that are available to MLS teams this year, but it's still a trophy. And, uh, you know, you take those wherever you can get them. The Galaxy have not won an MLS Cup in a long, or U.S. Open Cup in a long time. Um, and again, you, you now you're a couple of wins away from the final. So this is not, uh, we're, we're, I think we're going to see both teams use um, their first team starters because they're close now to getting something. Yeah, Douglas Costa possibly available. Chris Mavinga possibly available. No, I said the first team guys. Yeah, um, uh, Chicharito possibly uh, available. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I would. I would guess you would. You would see him play um, in, in this. So again, and as we look at it, we look at the LA Galaxy and the standings and everything else that is sort of going on. Galaxy fall down to the bottom again. But if you look at it in terms of points per game, they'd actually be above Colorado just because Colorado has played uh, 17 games. The LA Galaxy have played. 15 games. Um, so there's some other teams who have played 15 games, Houston with 18 points in there. Um, and then of course, LAFC only has 12 games played in league right now. So sleeping giant there in number three as well. So just to sort of keep your eye on all this, the galaxy and, uh, and the standings won't be affected this week, but then they go away to St. Louis and St. Louis has been playing very well, especially at home. Um, and so this is a tough stretch for the galaxy again, uh, where they go to RSL and then they go to St. Louis right after this and they play an early game, like a 10 AM body clock game, uh, in St. Louis on a Sunday morning. Um, so that'll be an interesting one to see how they sort of survive that. I still think it's a rough road ahead for the galaxy until they get home on the 21st, where they come home, play sporting Kansas city. I think it's a midweek game, um, on the 21st and they play SKC. And I know a lot of tickets have been sold for that and everything else has sort of been looking at that, but this U S open cup game right now, the most important one for the galaxy, just three, uh, three wins away from a championship. And you can't say, um, that that's not important. I, I've looked around and I know Bleacher Report, um, I think they're going to have some games on this. I was actually trying to, yeah, Bleacher Report app, BR Football YouTube. Um, you can find it on LA Galaxy Radio and LA Galaxy Spanish Radio as well. So Bleacher Report app, BR Football um, uh, YouTube and the LA Galaxy Radio. So you're going to have to search for this one uh, as we've talked about many times and, and hopefully there will be a stable enough stream for everybody to sort of watch on that. And you know, you do mention this is not an MLS game, so it's not going to affect the standings, but it, it is sort of a bit of a place marker. It's a, uh, you know, it's a Galaxy going against RSL. Granted, the competition is different, but the same two teams. I point all that out because the Galaxy are now seven points out of a playoff berth. RSL is the team that is seven points ahead of them. Um, this is a perhaps another chance for the Galaxy to, again, put down a marker and say, you know, we're a playoff team. The team that has that last spot now, we're coming for you. We beat you twice in a week. Yeah, there your place. Yeah, yeah, we and we we can we can beat anybody, by the way. That's the other thing that sort of and that'll be the the rallying cry against St. Louis as well. Um, I, I, w I do think that Jonathan Klinsman ends up starting this game because he seems to be the U.S. Open Cup goalkeeper. 
Um, so don't be surprised when Klinsman starts this game. Other than that, I don't expect a lot of rotation unless there's, unless there's injuries we don't know about. Um, but did you think, okay, so did, how important is, is this game? Because we started this program out talking about the Chris Klein situation and, and it, we sort of intimated that there's some momentum. They scored three goals after being shut out, you know, how many times on the road? Um, you know, the, the, the first goal was their first goal since the, the first half of the season opener on the road. Uh, they won a game. You know, we know that they haven't been able to string wins together. So they're coming back. And again, it's U.S. Open Cup, but it's against an MLS team that's ahead of them in the standings, as everybody is. But a team that has that less playoff berth. Is it important to win this to show that, yes, we have turned the corner. Yes, there is some momentum. Yes, this personnel change did have its intended effect that 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 we are now going to play much better because this weight has been lifted off our shoulders and and all of the uncertainty is gone. Or if they lose again, does that mean that none of that happened and that none of it had an effect? Great questions. It's one of those where I sit here and say, I guess we'll know after the game on Wednesday, right? Because it sort of depends on how it all goes down and how it all feels. Um, You know, if it's a shootout and the Galaxy end up losing sort of, you know, an extra time or something like that, then, you know, it is what it is. Those are coin flips in any in any sort of way. Um, I cautioned everybody not to call RSL, you know, the turnaround, right? That game that they, listen, they did some things they haven't done. And Greg Van even mentioned it. He said, you know, this team is special. Maybe maybe that team I can do stuff with, right? You know, that team that wants to play, they didn't overplay against RSL. I would hope that that continues. Uh, there's going to be little rotations. I think that happen in this game. Um, only because they again, go to St. Louis and, and maybe they're going to rotate against St. Louis there's just little things that are going to be different than that last game uh, against RSL. So that being said, let's see how they play, right? This is, you're right. It is sort of a marker, put it down and let's see, let's see what happens because you have the advantage in terms of rest. You have the disadvantage because you have to travel. You have the disadvantage because you're at altitude, but the rest thing is kind of big, um, especially right now with everything being condensed and all the games being played. So, um, I don't know because I don't think you can trust this Galaxy team. I don't think Greg Vanny can trust this Galaxy team yet. But if they get it in their head and they're able to sort of play with that same calm that I think they had against RSL, then this team is very difficult to beat. Um, well, you, and, and they're going on the road. And it'd be interesting to look at the stats if, if we could find those. This is the second full season of charter flights, I believe. Is that correct? Yeah, because it was They started doing some of them in 2020, 2020. and then... And then 2021, 2022, 20. So I think we're probably in the third season now of, I of think full 2021 season. Might have been a mix though. But in any case, my point was going to be, you think with the charter flights now that it's teams are playing better on the road that you think that that's had an effect or do you think there are still, there are clearly there still are some fortresses that it's very hard uh, to win on the road in, but it doesn't seem to me like, that whole home away thing is as stark as it used to be. And I, and I wonder if charters had some, have something to do with that. Uh, Miami lost at home. Red Bulls lost at home. Austin lost at home. Dallas lost at home. Those were the, those were the losses uh, over Saturday. Um, that, that sort of popped up. I, you know, I don't know. I haven't been tracking it. It's interesting though. You're right. Charters make it a lot easier, a lot more comfortable. Um, still though, guys are getting home at like three o'clock in the morning, four o'clock in the morning, whenever they come back from these trips, it's a, it's a rough, 
The only good news is that they can fall asleep on the plane. Uh, I just imagine that whenever they wake up, they are very much very sore because I know anytime I do any sort of athletic uh, stuff and then you go and like lay down for a little bit, you try to get up. I can imagine all the groans and creaks that happen whenever they have to get up. Yeah, but you're, you're old now. I am. Absolutely, absolutely true. That's it. That's a factor. Absolutely true. So anyway, uh, LA Galaxy coming up against uh, RSL, uh, America First Field, Sandy, Utah, June 7th. This is the U.S. Open Cup game. LA Galaxy just three wins away from a U.S. Open Cup title and a CONCACAF Champions League spot, which would always be nice. You can't say that you don't want it. Is that the, what that stadium's called now? America First? Yeah, yeah. They still call they still sort of say call it Rio Tinto in like little ways, and you know they still call it the Riot, right? Rio T, Rio Tinto, the Riot. So they still try to keep all that stuff, but the sponsor is Amer- America First Field. So there you go. So not second, not third, but first. Just just wanted to let you know. Uh, that's about it. Uh, I don't think we have any time for anything else. You good? We're going to have Zlatan on next week? That yeah. Would be cool. Oh, yeah. I'll just I'll reach out to him once again because I was so successful whenever he was a member of the LA Galaxy getting him on this. We had show 700, which was a black tie affair, if you remember. We actually tried to get him on. Uh, I was told the day of the show that he would not be coming on, and I said I was disappointed. Uh, and I believe I was the response to that was, well, you shouldn't. He's Zlatan. Um, and I always thought that was funny because, uh, Zlatan coming on this show or anything else type of show, which is like the local show, the one that, you know, players come on that we get to talk to guys. It's a, it's a conduit to the fans. You would think you would just think I'm just, if there's a new branding guy, I just want to run this by you. You would think having your star players come on a little old podcast that's sitting over here. That's been doing it for 15 years. Who's been faithfully covering the LA galaxy who got 750,000 pairs of ears listening to content from them last year. You would think that would be a driver for some people, but it's not for did, everybody. Did you ever, did you ever have Zlatan one-on-one? No. Cause I did. I had, uh, a one-on-one that we were in, I think one of the referees dressing rooms in, and um, it was just myself and Zlatan. I think Brendan Hannon was there just to sort of listen in. Um, and, and what I was going to say is Zlatan was a performer, both on the field and with the media. He loved talking to the media, but he, but he loved talking to the media when there was a crowd because he would perform. He would, unless it was a big game coming up when there was a noticeable difference and he became much quieter and reserved. But the mid, midweek press conferences, he loved them. He loved pairing back and forth with us. He loved making jokes. Right. Um, he looked for things to make a joke with. As you said, Larry brought him the cane that one time. Um, he loved the crowd. He loved playing to the crowd. It was on the field or whether it was a gaggle with media. Um, but when it was one-on-one, he was a totally different guy. He was way more serious. There were no laughs. There were no jokes. Anything that he'd say that would be modestly funny, if you laughed, he would come back and say, what do you think was funny about that? Yeah. I'm serious. Um, it's a totally different guy. Again, he's – you know, you're right. There, there are a number of sides to Zolotan. You try to, to, to put everything into one box or to try to understand him, and I think he's That's a little it. more complex than – you know, he comes across as, again, this performer and this incredible athlete, but he he's complex and a lot of that has to do with his background and, and – uh, like you said, it was great to be able to cover that era. Yeah, won't, won't, won't happen again. I, I had a one-on-one with with Robbie Keane, which was great. Um, I was nervous because you know Robbie has that tough sort of attitude that you expect, and he came in and, and like introduced himself and all this. It was just 
one of those things, man, that you get to do and that you sit there and say, I can't believe I was sitting in a small referee's locker room with with King Robbie Keane um, sitting right across from me. He introduced his son to, to me. Um, I think I gave his son some stickers, uh, that type of thing. So, yeah, just crazy. Nigel DeYoung, Omar Gonzalez, Mike McGee. I've done a lot of one-on-ones with guys who I didn't think I'd ever get a chance to sort of sit down and, and talk to. But Zlatan would have been one I would have enjoyed having on the podcast, but we didn't get him. Um, and that's okay. Uh, well, you know, we, we thought we'd never get Landon Donovan. We eventually maybe got him. Time. Yeah, maybe next time. Maybe, maybe when Zlatan comes back. That was, that was, uh, that was my oldest. Uh, whenever she was little, she would, you would ask her something then if she didn't want to do it. Uh, she would be like, mm, maybe next time. And that meant never, right? That was like, so maybe next time is is perfect, I, I think. I think that works well. All right, uh, I think that about does it. If you're looking for Mr. Kevin Baxter on Twitter, it's at kbaxter11. Head on over to latimes.com for all his wonderful soccer writing. Please do that. He'd enjoy it. He'd enjoy the follows, all that fun stuff. He'll have coverage, I'm sure, of U.S. Men's National Team, LA Galaxy, all that fun stuff over at latimes.com. If you're looking for me on Twitter, it's at jguessman. And of course, at Galaxy Podcasts. Uh, that's where you can find us, cornerofthegalaxy.com, back up and running. So go ahead and check it out at the website there as well. So we got a lot of stuff coming up. Another show on Thursday. Miss Sophie the Cannon Nicolau going to be joining me then as we recap this U.S. Open Cup game and get you ready for St. Louis on Sunday. So a lot of stuff coming up. We're glad you can join us. For Mr. Kevin, the Panda Baxter, I'm Josh Pato Guessman. You've been listening. You've been watching to Corner of the Galaxy from the box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. Have a great one, everybody. You've been listening to the Corner of the Galaxy podcast on cornerofthegalaxy.com. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Galaxy Podcast. And be sure to check out and subscribe to iTunes, Stitcher, and Facebook by searching for Corner of the Galaxy. Fans, we thank you for listening, and we ask that you be kind and courteous to your neighbors as you leave the podcast. We thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you again. Until then, I'm Michael Araujo. And on behalf of the entire Corner of the Galaxy crew, goodbye, everybody.